0: Hello friends, welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 62. We have two lovely ladies on the podcast today as our guests, and they make up the dynamic duo that is the forefront of equestrian outerwear. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a super cold climate. I grew up in Wisconsin, and I was always in snowsuits, and I remember feeling like a marshmallow walking outside to recess or my backyard when it was snowing but you know what? It kept me warm, so it's okay. But these ladies have managed to create an equestrian coverall that keeps you super warm and super dry, but it is the most sleek thing you would ever put on. It is incredible. I own a piece and I love it. Even being a Floridian now, it keeps me warm and dry and happy. So here to talk today about how they put their brand together and became a leading force in the equestrian outerwear industry. Here are Allison and Connie of Redding Goat Equestrian. Would love to hear all about Redding Goat and all of the products that you guys offer. But first, we'd love to hear, um, Allison, if you want to start first, how you first kind of got introduced into the equestrian world. Yeah, um, I'm a little bit of a, a newbie relatively
1: to most, most riders. Um, I started riding about five years ago um, as an adult. I was definitely like one of those horse obsessed little girls that had lots of like toys and you know toy horses and toy stables in my room but just didn't really have the opportunity to ride growing up and then actually met Connie uh, a few years ago through our husbands um they worked together and we you know became friends and so we started hanging out and double dating and getting to know each other and when I found out Connie was a trainer I said all right this is a sign it's time for me to like live out this dream (laughs) and and go take a riding lesson. And um, I took a few lessons uh, with her to get started and was just immediately hooked and have been riding ever since. Um, I kind of went from like one lesson a week to, you know, riding a few times a week to last year starting my first leasing experience. So it's just been like, you know, as most equestrians know, it's like that you know, snowball effect. Once you get hooked, you're just like really in it. So yeah, Connie's still my trainer, um, which is a really, adds another layer to our relationship. We're a business partner (laughs) and and future student. (laughs) Um, but It's it's so fun. And um, yeah, so that's how I found my way into horses. So
0: cool. And Connie, what about you? So
1: I have been around the horses my
2: whole life and I'm actually second generation. So my dad was a trainer and I was born with the horses. So he was, he was a standard trainer on the racetrack. And some of my earliest, earliest memories are being at the barn with him and my sister and my brother. So it's just something that we always had in our lives. I've been very fortunate. Um, and it's more of my, my livelihood and my lifestyle. And so I started very young uh, with the horses in my backyard, him being a trainer. Uh, and it's, it's so funny because I always tell this story. My dad would throw us up bareback on the standard bread horses. They literally never had people on their back at all. And he would just throw wow. us up on the standard bread and we would go running around the track bareback and when my mom found that out she was like okay it's time to get these girls to start taking lessons so then we (laughs) entered the hunter and jumper world and uh, started I think my first horse show was when I was five started taking lessons first horse show was at five and then it just was an everyday thing for me just competed up and down the east coast uh, taught started teaching lessons at a very young age always had horsemanship and was just in the dirt and learned everything about the horses and it was just more of a my life. That's just
0: how I became an equestrian. So cool. Um, So as you two met each other, you know, a few years ago, how did the conversation come up even to that? There was, you know, like a need in the industry for this product and then to take the next step further and to decide to start that together.
2: So it's so funny because since I started teaching at such a young age I started when I was 15 teaching horseback riding lessons to just clients in my own backyard. And then I started working at different barns. I was in New York at the time and it's cold in the winter. And when I was that young, a lot of the barns didn't have indoors that I taught at. So I always had this big coverall and uh, I loved it because I just had my britches and my long sleeve underneath and I throw this vintage coverall over top of it. And I could stand in the ring all day long and be really, really warm. And then go jump on a horse for a trail ride or take a client out for a trail or hop on the client's horse. And I would get a lot of comments like, oh, my God, this is such a great idea. I need one. And then other comments like, oh, my God, you look like you're going to go change oil under a tractor. (laughs) Um, And when I moved to New York, I started in this big barn in Brooklyn, actually. Uh, How I met Allison through her husband when I became engaged to to my husband. And I would work at this bar and I brought my coverall with me. And I think me and Allison, I think I was, maybe I was teaching her, and we, we just started talking about it. And I'm like, oh, I have this idea. I want to make a better coverall. And Allison and I talked about it for a month. And it's sort of, I was getting married at the time and the idea sort of died down. And a few months later, Allison's like, hey, I have a business proposition for you. Can you meet me for dinner? And since mm-hmm. she has such a great fashion background, she is really the other half in like, so needed in our brand and it's it's just been great and that's really
1: how we
0: Wow, so cool. Allison, at the time, what were you doing as far as your career?
1: So I worked at SoulCycle for about eight years. It was cool. my first, um, you know, first like real, you know, grown up job. I started with them when I was 21 or 22, I think, and ended up staying there for about eight years, really creating and building out their um, lifestyle apparel line, their own, you know, in house um, product line uh, that, you know, spanned. Fitness, you know, pieces that you can wear on the bike to lifestyle pieces and accessories um, that that you know you wear every day, and um, so I specialized in um, merchandising and product development. So I had a lot of experience creating collections, concepting collections. We did you know fifteen to twenty unique collections a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we you know the output was just tremendous and. Um, I you know, had tons of experience working with vendors and figuring out how to get things made and working on fit and things like that. And um, when I started riding, I wanted to wear all of the relevant brands and find the cool riding clothes. Um, but I immediately noticed that there were some holes and some gaps and some things that I thought would be really neat to introduce to the space. So I sort of already had this thing in the back of my mind. And then when uh, Connie came to me with this amazing coverall idea... I just said, you know, that's it. That's something that that makes a lot of sense is like create something like that riders really, really need um, and that we really need and would use and launch with something that's like really innovative and, and different that doesn't really have any competition in the space and, you know, have people come to us for that. And then you know, from there, we have a big vision. We have a lot of things that we want to do. And, um, we've already got our wheels turning and are thinking about, you know, what's next for the brand and what else we want to create and what other, you know, what other holes we want to fill. Um, so yeah, I think it was just really natural, you know, her, her having the equestrian background and having such a deep understanding of what riders need, what they want and how they need these clothes to perform. And then me having the understanding of like what that process looks like of how to get things made and more the business end of it.
0: Totally. So. Alison, what was that first, I mean the first coverall piece that you made? How what was that process like for you guys? It was a challenge for
1: sure. Um just even finding anyone that would work with us, you know, being this like, you know, very uh startup you know wanting to make something that nobody else really makes Mm -hmm. you know this super high functioning but really pretty you know technical coverall and finding someone that could could would work with us and take this on so once we found the right person um who turned out to be this really great person that we uh worked with through that whole development process you know we just did a lot of shopping and you know kind of just found lots of inspiration and things that we like the way they, you know, we like that way that looks. We like the way that that feels. We like the way that that fits, you know, and we kind of just brought these samples and these photos into him. And we were like, you know, because that's the thing too, is like, I'm not a technical designer. I don't know how to draw a pattern, you know, mm. so we needed help with that. So finding someone that could do that for us was really great. So we kind of just mushed all these ideas together and said, this is what we need it to look like. This is how, you know, what we needed, what we needed to do the fun thing too with like working with Connie, you know, is you know, I would sit there and be like, okay, Connie, what, what do you do throughout your day that like this could help with Mm -hmm. and you know, how do you use your clothes and and the things that you're wearing when you're teaching all day? And she would be like, Oh, like a lot of times when I'm, you know, teaching in the ring, I always have an extra crop on me in case like I want to give it to my student. So I just like shove my crop down inside of my boots. I don't have to hold it or carry it around. So that's how the crop pocket was born. (laughs) Yeah. Um, in the side of the leg. So we're like, Oh, well, if you're wearing your coverall, you can't reach your boots. So how do we, how do we make it where you can still do that? And same thing with the spurs, you know, she would, if she wasn't using her spurs or you know, took them off, she'd throw them on her belt, uh, her belt loop. So that's why we put the, the, the D ring on. So, which will, I guess we'll get to all that later, Of you know, all the features of the suit, but yeah, it was just a really fun process. And the first few prototypes, like we, we knew we were on the right track, but the fit was just, terrible like mm-hmm. you just look it yeah. looked like a tree trunk <laughs> yeah and Cute. then you put it on <laughs> yeah and that was what's so hard about it too
2: is because especially women like there's really no women's coverall, and i yeah. want sort to of understand why there's no women's coverall because it's so hard to make <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but we definitely yeah. think that we fat, like figured it out and it fits all shapes and sizes which is so amazing like we love seeing like we love going to trade shows and seeing our customers come up to us and be like what is this? What do you use it for? And like, Oh my God, that's such a great idea. And then they try it on and they're just like face lights up. They're like, this is great. We love it. And that's like, I mean, that's what we really miss going to trade shows, just to talk to all of our customers and meet new people and and hear their different backgrounds. But it was uh, definitely a fun step going through all those different prototypes and trying to figure it out. And then, the testing of them it took it took us a while especially like even down to the fabric that we use because we don't want to make a lot of noise it doesn't Mm want to be too slippery we don't want it to ride up our boot like while we're riding so and it it was just fun to to see it come to life and then test it and then go from there like it was a long process but
1: it was worth it yeah 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 it took about a year i think from start from like when we started development to when we actually placed like said okay we've got it yeah let's mm -hmm. place the order yeah Yeah. and then from there with the the factory we were working with at the time you know it took several months to get in so it was probably like about a year and a half from development to like having the suits here like ready to sell them to people
0: so got it okay I want to take a quick second to talk to you about the sponsor today, which is Dreamers and Schemers. Dreamers and Schemers and I recently collaborated and I created a pair of socks that is super cute that you will see if you click the link in my bio on my equestrian style. The cool thing about these socks is they are part of Dreamers and Schemers dream and do series, which $5 of every pair of socks goes to a nonprofit of my choice. So, I decided to go with Egala, which works as a nonprofit to help people with any type of psychotherapy or physical therapy with the help of horses. So, go ahead and check out the, on their website, collection slash dream do, and you will be able to see all the amazing socks and let me know what you think of my design. Again, $5 of every pair of socks goes to support Egala. All right, let's get back to the episode. So Connie, tell me a little bit about the, you know, as Allison was kind of alluding to that, you'd kind of walk through your day and talk about, you know, the different things that you would be, you know, stuffing in pockets or doing throughout your day. What were some necessities that you knew that this coverall had to have?
2: Well, fit was number one. Fit was mm-hmm. definitely needed. I wanted to, I didn't want to be swimming in it I wanted to perform, um, Uh, When I was hopping on horses in my old coverall, the crotch being so low because it's a men's coverall was the same thing. So you had to bring the crotch up to be able to put your foot in the stirrup and swing your leg over the saddle without lifting your legs up, like the leg of the suit up. Yeah. So that was um, something that we really needed and it gave it more of a feminine fit. Um, The other huge thing was when I had my old coverall on, I would have to take it off well, I'd have to take my boots off and then take my cover all off and then put my boots back on. So mm-hmm. one of the, my favorite features about our suits are that we, can, we have a zipper from heel to mid-thigh. So you can easily step in and with your boots on, even with your boots and spurs on. So that was a lot of testing we had to do as well to get that right zipper length to be able to put your English high boots on or your tall boots on or a paddock boot on with and without a spur. And we also wanted to make sure that we could get our Western riders in too because they have more of the square cowboy boot and then they have mm-hmm. the bigger spur as well. Which And then, you know, they never take their spurs off of their boots. Their spurs right. stay on their boots. Totally. So we wanted to make sure that we could get every kind of equestrian in the market. So we definitely, that took a long time to be able to have a coverall that you can step in and out of with your boots on. You don't have to strip down in the middle of a ring to go hop on a client's horse. So that was definitely number one. I think the feel and the fit, um, the feel and texture of the fabric on the outside was definitely a big thing. We wanted to make sure it wasn't too noisy. That crop pocket was a major thing on that right hip was a big thing for us as well. Just everything that we would need working throughout our day. We wanted to be able to bend down in our coverall without pulling on our shoulders to be able to wrap a horse's legs or right. put your the horse's boots on. And then when you're throwing the saddle over your horse's back, we wanted to make sure that the arms weren't too short. So we really put a lot mm-hmm. of thought process into how we can use it and make sure that it's technical enough for every rider out there without getting in your way we didn't want it to be in your way and we didn't want it to feel bulky and still warm so even on the winter version we wanted to make sure we had the right insulation which we really feel like we landed on and of course we wanted it to be waterproof as well for those rainy days or the days that it's snowing yeah and it was really important for us just to be able to have an insulated coverall that you could just throw over one pair of breeches and one long sleeve short shirt yeah. So you don't have that extra bulk. We mean, in up here, it gets so cold and you're throwing on millions of layers. And then when you have all those layers on, you're teaching or feeding or mucking. It's hard to work in. It's heavy. And we work hard enough as horsemen. We don't want our apparel to get in the way and make it harder for us. So we wanted to make sure it was light, easy to take on and off, and still keeps you really, really warm and dry and clean because we spend a lot of money on our bridges. So we want to make
0: sure our bridges stay clean. Totally. I think that's one of my favorite things that what you were talking about with with my Red and Goat coverall. And I fully admit I am a Floridian that owns a Red and Goat coverall, but I (laughs) need it because I am a wimp now and the winters here are still freezing cold for me. So when I'm teaching, I totally am wearing it. But one of my favorite things is that it is still, it's super insulated, but it is still so sleek and it doesn't feel, it doesn't look look like you are, you know, one of those like blow up snowman, you know, ornaments in your front yard. (laughs) I mean, was that process of finding the proper insulation, did that take a while or were you able to kind of get advised as far as finding something that's still a super streamlined, but really, really effective?
2: I, I mean, I feel it took a little bit longer. The first prototypes that we came in didn't have enough insulation. Hmm. I tested it out in the cold months and it was just not warm enough. And I texted I called Alex right away. I'm like, this isn't gonna work. It's not warm enough. So then we got three different types of insulation and the second one was just too big. And I think the one that we landed on, Allison tested it out. I think she sat outside in the snowstorm and made sure she was, warm. <laughs> she was so warm. Please and tell me I, you I have did. video footage
1: of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we were we were getting down to the wire of like needing to get the order placed. And we were testing out an insulation that was like double or like I think time and a half of like what we landed on. And I couldn't get to the barn that day or anything. But I literally like it was, I think... 20 degrees outside and I went and sat in the backyard for a few hours for sure and just like sat there like (laughs) I think I brought a book or something or like my laptop and was you know reading or working on something and I was you know I was like okay we gotta see how this how this feels and then I went back inside and tried the one the insulation level that we actually ended up ordering and did the same thing. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, it was okay, like an eight hour day for her. Love <laughs> it.
2: <laughs> She's like, I've been outside okay. in 20
1: degree weather all day. I like this one better. I'm like, all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the, like, the, the one that, you know, and I, too was thinking I'm literally just sitting here if I was at the barn or something you know I would be walking around I'd be doing things so like it would be even keeping me warmer but the, I was warm enough in the 60 gram insulation which is what we ended up buying and the, the next level up was just it was, it was warm I get you know but it just made me feel been too like the Michelin yeah. man yeah like yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean we get out you know Connie and I get out and do the you know early morning barn work together at you know five thirty-six in the morning or whatever and we wear these and you know it's freezing it'll be you know 10 degrees or something but like within a few minutes we're like oh you know we're like really like, warm up, we came up came out with yeah <laughs> we're like thank but god we, we have <laughs> <laughs> and you Seriously. do warm up so quickly so we we feel good about where we landed because you can actually still move in it you don't feel like like you said about like the snowman you know um but it's like plenty warm. So yeah. and people are surprised at it too. Like you know, we're sitting there at trade shows like talking about how warm it is. And people will come up and touch it and be like, uh, are you sure? This doesn't really mm-hmm. seem that, that warm. And we're like, No, like you have to you have <laughs> to try it because it's just we we tried so hard to find the right balance between lightness and warmth so that you you know, don't feel so inhibited and in you're movement with everything that you need to do. So it's deceptively warm.
0: I also love the material that's on the wrists and thumb hole of the suit. That is like so comfortable and soft. Yeah. We just use fleece for that. We, you know, wanted something
1: super, super cozy. So if you put it's, it's in the collar and then the cuffs, like you said, Mm. so and then, um, it's in the pockets as well. So if you put your hands in your pocket, oh. basically anywhere that has direct contact with your skin, um, we wanted something super soft and cozy, um, so that you're not, you know, having contact with like this waterproof shell all day.
0: It's something a little bit softer. Totally. Um, shifting gears a little bit because I am so obsessed with your newest addition, which is your rain gear. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> so brilliant, especially when I am like, I feel like I always think about you guys at like five in the morning when I am <laughs> lunging or doing my laps in the morning on, on the horses yeah. and it is pouring rain in Wellington. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, everyone That's a typical literally needs it. Day, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, Allison, tell me a little bit about your kind of process with the newest rain gear.
1: So, you know, we always knew that this was going to be Red and Goat 2.0. Like this was going to be the next thing that we were going to come out with is because, you know, we want to keep everyone warm, dry, and clean, you know, was sort of our first mission. And then we were like, all right, what about the rest of the year when it's not freezing outside? Or what if you live in Florida where it's not cold, you know? that cold for the majority of the year but you know it still rains you still need protection from the elements so we really looked at what about the first piece you know we love the most what really worked um and also what did we hear from our riders you know like what did what comments did they have everybody wanted a hood um You know, which obviously with rain gear was critical. Um, And then, you know, we thought that people were going to ride more actively in the rain suit than they would the winter suit necessarily. So we um, wanted to add a stirrup strap around the bottom to keep the pant leg in place while you're in the saddle so that it's not riding up or moving around. So we added some really amazing new features. We obviously took the insulation away. So it's something that can be worn literally every day of the year, just whatever, over whatever outfit you have on that's appropriate for that. Whether you put this on top and you have a completely waterproof layer... We really searched high and low for the right fabric. We tested a lot of fabrics. We got samples of a lot of different fabrics. And we think that we found the most breathable waterproof fabric we've ever seen. Um, so it's a ripstop. It's very durable. But if, you, if it did happen to rip or snag on something, you know, we brought the ripstop function. It is extremely, extremely breathable. So you don't get that... like you know Even if you're riding in warm weather, you don't get that super sticky, hot, clammy, mm-hmm. sweaty... You know, feeling inside of it. It's so light. I always say it feels like you're wearing nothing. You kind of forget that you have it on, which to me is the most telling thing of a performance piece. Like if you're wearing like quality, like really good performance apparel, if it's really performing you, you don't really even notice that it's there because it's that comfortable. So that was definitely the goal. So yeah, I mean, we kept all of our tried and true features that everybody loves. We added a bit of extra ventilation. So there's a, a a back ventilation slit. We've still got the armpit zips there. All of our other features are still there. You can zip the back of the leg to get in and out of it. But we have a large oversized hood that goes over your riding helmet, wow. which is great. And then if you don't have your helmet on and you still need the hood, the the front of the hood flips back and secures with a magnet. So It converts to a standard size hood, so that if you put the hood on, you're not wearing your helmet. It's not going to, you know, flop over into your face. We're very, very excited about the rain gear. It's definitely essential, as well
2: as the winter version. And I just remember like going to all these horse shows and like telling my clients and bringing rain gear for myself. And there was just nothing out there in our industry Mm -hmm. for riders. There's no rain gear for riders whatsoever, and we just feel like what we're introducing is just going to blow everything out of the water, and it's going to be the go-to for rain gear. And for your winter version coverall as well, and it's, we're just super excited to get it out to all of our riders throughout the
0: whole industry. Totally, and I don't know if I've ever talked to you guys about this, but Connie, how did you guys come up with the name Redding Goat?
2: Oh, that's Allison. She, she uh, answers this question so great. Let's it was hear actually it. Allison. <laughs> Allison found it.
1: It was honestly, naming this business was like the hardest thing we've ever done. Yeah, I don't know if people realize how hard it is like to name a company. I mean, unless you're going to name it after yourself or something. Right. Which we didn't want to do. And we went through so many things. Like we had a few ideas that then got squashed because they were already trademarked or something. Um, or, you know, one of us would suggest something that the other one hated and vice versa. Right. And um, we seriously talked about this for the first six months of our development yeah. process wow. um, before or we were able to land on anything and so I started thinking like okay well what is this like it's a head-to-toe outfit my mind went to like a riding habit you know which mm-hmm. is what yep. you know women would wear a long time ago and it's funny there actually is a brand now yeah <laughs> called her riding habit yeah right. um so it's, I'm glad we didn't go with that <laughs> but um I was like that doesn't quite feel right for us, but like maybe there's something along those lines. So I just went into this like Google black hole of riding habits and Mm -hmm. trying to find words that were associated with that and ended up coming across redding goat, which is kind of an archaic term. Like people don't really use it anymore, but it's a French word from the 18th century and it's a derivative of of the English phrase riding coat. So it's, yeah, it's a French word, but we just, we thought that that, if you Google redding goat, it's like, you'll see these, elegantly tailored you know 18th century great coats that you know people would wear out you know usually traveling on you know in carriages or on horseback at that time and so we thought okay like Mm -hmm. that actually sounds like a brand that sounds like something people will remember and you know we wanted to find a name that actually like meant something to our idea and, mm-hmm. and, you know, what it was. So, you know, I texted it to Connie and she goes, I dig that. I did Resco. <laughs> and we were uh-huh. like, Oh my gosh, did we just name our business? <laughs> then, <laughs> um, So yeah, that's, that's what happened. So we reached out to, we, uh, we worked with a trademark lawyer just to make sure that we weren't going to be, you know, we were going to be able to, uh, you know, trademark our own name and not infringe on anyone else. And it was available. And Cool. There we go. So we jumped we jumped on that and then logo
0: was the next step which yeah. took a little while yeah. too but we we love our name, we love our logo so it's definitely memorable for sure. Thank you. So cool. Well, ladies, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. I love your coverall, and I am literally counting down the days to when I can get my rain (laughs) coverall. Also, soon, soon. (laughs) Um, But I wish you all the best. If you haven't had a chance to check out Redding Goat's website, make sure you do to learn even more about all of their products. You can visit their website at Equestrian dot com. That's R E D I N G